Well, we grabbed a hotel in Chilliwack, B.C. It was 100 kilometers past uh, the ferry boat landing on the mainland side. I was pretty tired when we got in, but we decided we'd get the room for a couple of nights because it was late. And uh, so we found a place at the Travel Lodge, and it's not too expensive. But then I decided if we go back to the Yukon, well, Hadina doesn't want to go back for sure, but um, if I go back to the Yukon by the end of the summer, which will go by fast, we will be looking at um, making a next move again, except, you know, with less resources to do it. Because it's 20, I don't know, 2,200 kilometers up, 2,200 back, and then uh, food is expensive in the Yukon, and if it's up towards Dawson, then it's twice the price or more. It would be at least, what, $5 for a bottle of pop or something like that, and probably, I don't know, what's a four milk, like four, I don't drink milk, but the girls do. So $8 for a uh, gallon of milk. So it's, it's just, it, and fruit, and that's what we usually, that's what I'm usually eating, fruit and vegetables. It's crazy. I think it was running about $700 a month just for fruit and vegetables, just for basic stuff up in Dawson City. So it, it just gets to be stupid to be there. That's why we ended up at the last minute going down to Progreso, Mexico. And then uh, it just, everything offset. I ended up, um, yeah, getting in a little better shape down there too. And Julia learned how to swim. <coughs> Excuse me. So, and so it was, it was about $600 a month to stay in Progreso, Mexico with internet, hotel, um, and then cheap food, you know, at the local market kind of thing for us. Um, so it wasn't too bad, but, you know, in Canada, um, it's just three times the price. More than that, I think in Whitehorse, it's about $2,200 for a one-bedroom apartment, something like that. I said somewhere around there. $2,200 for a one-bedroom apartment, and if you were to buy a condo type of thing, you'd be looking at it between five and six hundred thousand dollars for a one bedroom something i haven't adina's been looking at stuff so i'm just getting confirmation as i say it just to give you an idea of what we're you know you've got yukon which is basically the size almost the size of texas wide open and it was the land of opportunity because you'd have to be crazy to be there for any other reason um, and they've turned it into an environmental hellhole, basically. Mining's killed, government workers are up, social housing is all over the place. It's the wild, wild nothingness, basically. It's, I would never go back under those circumstances, and I wouldn't want to go back under the Grand Solar Minimum circumstances either. So I made a contact to some boat owners. I'll put some links up just so you can see what we're looking at. You can sort of go through this with us if you want. Um, <clears throat> to live... Um, live aboard a small boat and essentially uh, anchor in a shore, you know, sort of in a bay somewhere. Um, there is one where you can pay $600 a month to be there, but the environmentalists are doing what they can to get rid of all of that. So that's getting harder to do. I think the environmentalists, I think if they were a little more innovative and they could just create a completely um, isolated bubble for everybody and hang them in the air, that would be great. Or maybe what we could do is continue to evolve normally and intelligently until we get to the point of space travel and then we could just live in spaceships or whatever but you know it's one step at a time and unfortunately this thing is just it's faster than i can keep up with so we can't hover the van in midair we can't pay 45 dollars a night for uh, rv parking in the summer 
and we can't, uh, it's very difficult to find a place to park a boat in a marina and live in it and, you know, be allowed to live in it. So we're going to turn around tomorrow and go back to the island. We must have spent about $1,000 on this ferry. Um, we're helping them not go broke <laughs> in a very tiny way because it's about $100 a shot and we've been across it, yeah, I don't know, 10 times at least, I would say, back and forth. But we have to go back over and meet somebody who has a 27-foot boat, um, but they don't, on the boat, there's no hot water or shower, but we know we'll figure something out. Because the boats at about 27 feet, they're not really liveaboard type boats, and the boats at 30 feet are liveaboard. Um, <clears throat> so our van is, we paid 8,500 for, I think it was 8,500 or 8,000, I can't remember, for our van, and then put a $5,000 transmission in it and a $2,000 solar package in it and new front tires and uh, fixed just a little thing in the front. Other than that, it had already been redone inside, so there's some equity in a sense. not equity, but, you know, when we sell it, we should be able to get close to what we paid for it because there's a big demand to hover your ass in the air during a COVID crisis when rent is stupid and, and jobs are rare kind of thing. So we should be able to put the van, because we don't have a place to sell it uh, or park it, I'll have to take it to uh, consignment, <clears throat> and they'll take a percentage, and then I'll have to buy the boat. And the idea would be to, to get a propane tank, a small propane tank, and I have a connector, um, and, and just get a burner to be able to cook. Um, as far as showers go, we'd be looking at, uh, I don't know, dive in for a swim or wash out on board and then also go into the marina when we need uh, to fill up with uh, water and propane for the day, which is about $40, so maybe once a week uh, at the, you know, at the most kind of thing. But, um, I mean, it's just not hard to clean up on, you know, in the summertime anyway. <clears throat> and as far as cooking in a refrigerator, a lot of these things, the smaller boats come with an ice box. Um, I would probably have to get a solar panel if one didn't come with the boat just to keep things going. They do sell $3,000 buoys, but I'm not going to get one, that anchor you for the storms. There's about six storms or windy, windy days, <clears throat> excuse me, per winter, over the winter. And what they do is you can bring the boat in and tie it, you know, to shore or you can anchor it and stay up at night and sort of monitor things, which is what I would do, and you know, sort of move the boat if it starts to drag, getting dragged into shore with the anchor down, and uh, learn along the way. I know how to. I was very good at windsurfing and teaching windsurfing. I was opening a small business when I was 18 to teach people in the Yukon how to windsurf, but things blew up. Uh, it's a very interesting story actually, but I'll tell it another day. It was very interesting because of the circumstances that blew it up, again, pushing and nudging us forward. Um, and it had nothing directly to do with me. It was other things that had happened. So uh, I was natural at sailing. Uh, boats, you know, I mean, you've got to get to learn how to sail a boat and navigation and things like that. I just do it along the way. So the cost of living essentially is just food and uh, some propane, but I... In the homeless compound, they did lay out uh, some hot water bottles, you know, not hot, you know, the black, and they got warm enough for a shower. The Chris, uh, we put a tent together uh, with a teepee-style homemade tent with tarps to have a shower, and Chris got to have one last shower before he moved on. And uh, he was in his tent. My van was next to uh, his tent just a few feet away, and I could hear him um, triumphantly 
because there's a, an arena there where you're allowed to have showers three days a week. Um, but he was his his thing was again being limited as a homeless person. It's good enough. One shower a week is good enough. Three showers a week or whatever. Your limitations are good enough for you because you're homeless. And he just saw things differently. He saw things as everybody deserves to have a shower when they need a shower. Everybody deserves to have a place to live when they need a place to live. <clears throat> anyway, so he was having a sort of a victory triumph uh, out loud version of, uh, you know, a Yahoo celebration kind of thing that he was able to have a shower within the limitations of the parking lot and the community center. And I did go over, Julia and Adina and I went over to the center. It was a hockey shower. Um, we took turns, but, you know, it's a push button. You get about 10 seconds. <coughs> Excuse me, we're at the water and it's lukewarm. It's not exactly a luxury type of a thing. And uh, as Chris was saying, he could stop into any bathroom and wash up with hot water and sink anytime he needed to. But in this particular compound, he couldn't. He was itching to go. He was tired. He wanted to carry on and do his own thing. He was uh, an interesting person. Anyway, and he had a, you know, a, sort of a perspective that, uh, that humanity is just catching up with the compassion and sort of the right for people to live humane, humanely, you know, in a world that's more compassionate. So... This isn't uh, about any, you know, any more of reliving that. I couldn't stay on the island another day, another minute. I had to get off the island. I just, I just never thought I'd even be able to think about being there. And it's not because I can't be in the Yukon. It's just because we have to make a, a decision. In this awakening, one of the things that I've had a hard time with is making commitments to big decisions on a limited budget. One... Um, we just don't know where things are going. You know, you just don't know whether you want to live that way or what you want to do or where you're going to go because each style of living has a limitation. You have to have your little exit strategy, how you're going to get rid of what you have to step into something new. Typically, buying vehicles and boats, you're you're not investing in something that's going to go up in value and you're tend, you tend to have to put money into it to bring it up to something that's functional, you know, maintenance, and then maintain it from there forward, which requires the tools and the know-how as well. And then you have, you know, emergency situations to think of. Adina has, is trained in first aid, but what if there's an emergency, somebody gets hurt? What if there's a storm? This is with the boat. You know, it, it, there's always going to be something anyway, so I've decided, fuck it. You know what I mean? We don't qualify for any assistance during any of this. But I guess when we run out of money entirely, trying to do the best we can, not to mention, you know, I mean, I could probably get assistance because it's a recovering opioid addict uh, that had to heal and sold everything to hit the road to do that. And I don't, um, I wouldn't change what I did. The whole family was going through the, you know, I mean, Adina and I were going through the awakening. We were being pushed out anyway. So it was just uh, coincidental, the, the timing. Um, and, it, well, the, the getting off of the anti-anxiety medication, the clonazepam was part of uh, the spiritual messages that I received to believe in my mental sobriety, to do it, and then later on to learn that we can heal very quickly by changing the frequency within and just trying a little bit each time uh, you get hit with a... Uh, a situation that makes you want to take an, an anti-anxiety <clears throat> um, pill. 
or that if you're addicted to it or whatever the case is. Uh, and the addiction to opiates, the, the reason it's so hard to get off is because your brain fires at a million miles an hour. It's just an absolute, complete and total overdrive when the pill wears off and you build up um, a tolerance or, you know, to the pill or to the opiate, like any drug. But the problem for me wasn't that I, you know, that I was jonesing for another pill. It wasn't the fucking pill. It was the inability to stake sort of calm and balanced in situations that became stressful and everything becomes stressful when you're going through an awakening so it was facing you know uh in real estate facing people that were incredibly stressed you know people that are greedy people that are stressed people that are scared because it's hundred thousand or million dollar transactions and you're the dirty rotten realtor right and i did try to change that because uh, i I believe that you know it wasn't necessary to have incredibly high commissions um, where I was, and there was other there was only one other option, which was property guys, which essentially gives you a hand to sell your own home. Anyway, and but the th yeah, yeah, that's a conversation for another day. <clears throat> no good deed goes unpunished, and even if you did try to help people, the stress level so high and your vibe is high. In different occupations, doesn't really matter. But giving an example, you'll find that people will lash out anyway, even if you're trying to help them. So it just became, it got to the point where I just didn't want to help anybody anymore. Anyway, it was uh, it was taking everything out of me. So um, yeah, it's interesting. There's lots of stories here behind all of this with regard to just the awakening and, and the synchronicities, but. That's the opiate point. So, I mean, it's possible to qualify for disability, but at this stage, I just don't want any part of the system. The system is not going to be there or have any money to support people. This is a period of time of truly healing and truly becoming innovative and in the highest potential of oneself. I had the luxury of selling everything I owned or we did to be able to do it. So now we're looking at the boats and then we'll put the van in consignment and sell the van because it's, it's just it's useless when the fucking bylaws say you can't be anywhere. Not in my backyard. You know what I mean? It's just amazing. And everybody's got this. You know what I mean? Every, don't not here. Oh, no, no, you can't do it here. No, you can't do it there. Uh, eventually, there's just nowhere to do it, but nobody nobody cares there's nowhere to do it. <clears throat> so you're fucked. You're literally fucked. You know, it's, it's amazing. And I would have, just for those who are interested, bought a cargo van. And I it, with, that was the first van I was looking at. And then stealth it out and get it nice and comfortable inside and do this thing. But they made it illegal to put a front seat in the van. And you couldn't put, you're not allowed to put one in the back of the van. You're not allowed to do anything that is in factory unless you hire an engineer for about $5,000 to sign off on it. And there's all kinds of videos and all kinds of... Um, uh, metal to anchor the seats in and seat belts and there's all kinds of options out there but the problem was and certainly here in Canada nope you're better off strapping your kid sideways to a wooden bench in the back of a camper van because that's so much safer than being bolted hardcore to the frame or to the you know in the middle of the van um, in a you know in a real seat um, and so it's just more bullshit it's just the policies rules and regulations that government continues to put forward because some fucking idiot graduates and wants to put a star in his chest and says, hey, you know what? We need this rule and regulation. That'll make life better. And then somebody else does the same. And then you take a place like Yukon Territory that was the land of the free First Nations, did all kinds of cool stuff. 
people just were trans, you know, from all over the world bringing innovation and ideas, and they were doing mining, and people were happy. Um, you could just live free. You could literally just put a tent anywhere. You could do whatever you wanted to do, and everybody was really cool about it. Now you can't fucking sneeze without a permit up there. And because of that, it means it's unprofitable to be an entrepreneur for the most part. And it's, it's an economy that isn't even based on anything normal or real. If the government fell apart, there'd be nothing left up there. If the external variables of First Nation governance and and or other external variables come into play, everything, it just, it's fucked, like mining. Um, everything's geared for the big miners now. They don't want to manage little miners. They want big miners in that they can manage and control and make the money from. And then they come in from other countries and suck the wealth right out of there for the globalists. And that's always wonderful for the community. And then they leave the fucking damage and the tailings and shit like that behind unless they get caught. Because it's interesting. And there's a Nevada and there's another state in the United States. And it's funny because it happened. And I was studying law and I knew about this. And I was in land management and they were talking about a company called Nevada Gold that came up and did a lot of mining and left all the fucking mess behind. Millions and millions of dollars behind. And in Nevada, there's like the corporation is a veil you can't pierce. You can't figure out who owns it. Uh, because they're legally protect, protected. So, <clears throat> they I mean, they didn't consider that, that you can set up a corporation somewhere where the, the owners, the directors are protected, go on in and do a shitload of damage and then fuck off right out of there and leave it all behind for the community to clean up. You know, unlike the local miner, you know what I mean, who still is going to live there for the most part and who creates a much smaller sort of mess and that you could easily manage all the way through. You know, it's just, it's just, it turned into a, a nightmare, really. And uh, it just gets too complicated for the little guy to do stuff. Now it's who you know, who you know. And I could rhyme that one up a little further, but I won't. And that's what it is. Nepotism, it's who you know, it's the money, it's the relationships. I mean, the guy that owned the Shoppers Drug Mart chain or whatever, the one of them, you know, the, the, the business or whatever in Whitehorse became the premier of Whitehorse. You know, it's... It's just, it's mind-boggling as to who's who and how they get there. So you're listening to a bunch of <coughs> rattling on. Whitehorse, Yukon Territory in Canada. I don't know if I should. I'll put this one up anyway. We're heading back to the island. We're going to look at boats. I'll put a few links up so you get an idea of what we're looking at. Sell the van, and then we're going to anchor offshore, and we're going to continue to do this and hopefully be able to be close enough to sell data. And, uh, and then from there, somebody put a link up to uh, Australia who put out a promotion for a plan of sustainability. I want to put that link up there because this is the plan that every fucking community across the globe is going to need because this is what is going to happen. And they're not going to have to wait for the government to approve it. They're not going to have to wait for celebrities to get on board. They're not going to have to wait for anything except the implosion of the globalists. And then it's necessity. The mother of invention is necessity, and it's coming. And so this plan is awesome. And I haven't seen the plan details. I've just heard the overview. But that's where it's going, and we're going to end up in Australia too at some point. Even I, even There's a boat, and one of the boats listed there is a boat that will take you to Australia. Um, I'm not so sure I'd be all that comfortable in the middle of an ocean without seeing any land anywhere. Having never sailed anywhere is probably suicide. But, uh, you know what I mean? I don't know. At this point, anything's possible. This is going to end up in Australia because Canada makes me want to throw up. We gave it away. We sold it off. 
Can I have my welfare check? Can I have my socialist housing? And then you can take anything you want. And don't worry about my fucking kids or grandkids. Fuck them. As long as you give me what I need, I'm good to go. And I'm not nailing or blaming anybody here. I'm saying every generation layer has an asleep moron in there. This is this is a product all the way, including me, who could see this coming. I couldn't fight it any harder than I did, but I took time out to try to set up a company to escape this nightmare, to make enough money to f- sort of screw off into the woods and forget about it, because it was unstoppable. People were so brainwashed. I might put a link up to the riots of the leftists taking on CNN for whatever fucking stupidity they're up to. That's interesting. That's cannibalism. The dummies eating the dummies, and I think that's fantastic. I have no idea what fake media got that sparked, but it's nice to see, as so gets so uh, well said, you know, the the useful idiots eating their own. Something along those lines. That would be a Yuri Bezmenov combined with today's. Nice to see them eating their own. Um, as for the rest, it's just stupid. It's chaos. It's crazy. It's going to get worse. And we're going to see people rioting, uprising, no protests. There won't be any peaceful protests anywhere because it's just going to be uprisings. And I'm not going to be there with it. I have a little family. I'll just be holding the light, sending out good energy, and hopefully sitting in a very creative environment of not being grounded, sitting on the water, drawing, maybe, um, teaching maybe helping people on you know on the land but the thing was when i left i offered to volunteer um to help the the groups of people there and the volunteers if they just had a place to park and a bathroom that wasn't there because of what happened anywhere and they did they couldn't offer anything they didn't have anything to offer um and i thought wow okay so what does that mean exactly you've got somebody that can deliver all kinds of um, help coming, you know, with, to do with putting financial proposals together, funding proposals of, uh, you know, the just general volunteer work of wiping down an outhouse, which I was doing. I had no idea. Chris was dead 10 feet away from me as I'm wiping down the outhouse. It's freaky thinking about all this. Um, you know, there was nothing that I wasn't willing to do, nothing I wasn't capable of doing all the way up to the highest level meetings with uh, the highest level people in any organization, which I've met. Um, I've met all kinds of people who are uh, up there. And I can sit and have great conversations and plan things out as well with them. But there was just no room because everybody is in survival mentality. They're not ready for that yet. For as little as one for as little as that was asking for a place to park the fucking van and to have an outhouse and then give you hours a day of my time to assist, there just wasn't anything there to make use of that. It's almost like an on-time delivery. If we need a volunteer, we'll ask for it. But if we don't, at this point in time, have the energy to even think about where that might work, then we just don't even want to consider it. It's not about efficiency, and it's not about opportunity. It's about a reactive um, mentality to life now. There's no, there's very little proactive. I mean, there's obviously a little bit as you put projects together, but there's not a lot of proactive. It's gotten to the point where it's so stressful and so survival, uh, you know, it's such a survival reality out there that now we're just responding. And this is where lightworkers are learning 
<clears throat> to step out of that survival mentality and to be in the now so that they can make use, they can see even the bigger picture, that they can see the opportunities to be able to uh, make the most of uh, the big picture, to, you know, to, to really sort of go with ease in that direction, um, just to make the most of everything, to do it with ease. Anything else, you just won't see the same things. You'll see things negatively. You'll see things polarized. So, and right now, I'm, you know, I should be in deep fear, and I'm not. I'm just in, I'm just, fuck, I don't know. I'm just here heading. Oh, and I did meet somebody with a boat who figured it might not be big enough, but it might very well work uh, for us because of uh, the price. It's I think it's eleven thousand five hundred dollars. It's uh, twenty-seven foot. It looks clean. He's he's uh, he suggested that I call a company that does good work for children. So he's somebody that uh, I immediately sort of clicked uh, trustworthy wise. Um, and he said that we, I said, I just have a problem with parking. I just need a place to park so I can look. And and, uh, and even though he thought I might not be buying his boat, he offered to let me park in his, um, <coughs> excuse me, in his parking for a couple of days if I needed to and to help me understand more about boats. I mean, just a stranger who uh, is willing to help. So my next move essentially stops there because it's the now. So we made the call. I have his number. We go to the island, Vancouver Island. We park in his parking spot. We look at his boat. We learn. I probably just get the damn thing, and I don't get the one with the shower and the hot water and stuff because that's another 10 grand. And fuck, for 10 grand, <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, it puts a lot more stress on, and, you know, it'd be nice to sell a van. But for 10 grand for showers, I can pull in for 40 bucks a night and take showers at the uh, marina. And then, uh, and also have easy showers in the summertime. So it's just in the winter, really. So that's where it is. And he, he's 76 years old, and he was saying he just really wished he would be able to do it. He really wanted to do it. But again, the environmentalists are making it almost impossible, if not impossible. He's been looking to do it for two years to do a liveaboard, but they're making it impossible. So they want you out in the fucking ocean, basically, uh, away from shore entirely. And, uh, and then they're okay right and then they want the miners to stop mining and then they want the oil companies to stop producing oil uh what they should be doing is going after the fucking people that have got the technology for the electromagnetic field manipulator generator and the things that are actually could change your life because eventually they're going to i mean they they put fart bags on cows filters right down in california so because of the co2 so they have fart diapers on cows they have people that are that are not allowed to mine resources you know what I mean? Pretty soon. I mean, what the fuck do they think this turns into? I mean, do they think the food just fucking grows on the shelf in Walmart or what? I'm just not sure where the logic comes from because they got their head so far up their ass, they can't actually see how the fucking economy works. This is why I was going to go in and be a mediator between the stupidest fucking people on the planet and those that were corrupt for the most part to the core. Because there was no, it was an impasse. It was an impasse of, if you get your way, everybody will be dead from starvation and freezing to death in the elements. These will be the environmentalists. And if the other people get their way, everybody will be fucking dead because there'll be one big fat greedy guy sitting there going, I win. I own it all. The, the iron fist communist thing. It would just wouldn't even be worth living. So we had to get past these two stupid fucking perspectives and come into balance, which is essentially, you'll never guess what it is, 
evolution, a fucking process of evolution. And this was the whole point. As you rise up in the field of consciousness, you get better ideas and start making all of a sudden airplanes, all of a sudden light bulbs, inventors all over the world, making things at the same time because humanity reached a level of awareness, of compassion, where they were introduced to new technology. And it would have continued if it wasn't for the greed and the brainwashing. We would have been able to continue to evolve forward perfectly. There would have been some bumps along the road, but we would have fixed them. You know what I mean? We would have gotten through it. It's funny. You remember recently the plastic straw? Like We're going to get rid of all the one-time-use plastic. And it's great. That's wonderful. Or maybe you could create plastic that biodegrades very quickly or whatever. And then COVID comes up. No, no, no. We're going to make all kinds of one-time-use plastic stuff now. And instead, they're putting out paper straws, which they're no fucking good. You know what I mean? It, what they could do is go to hemp. They could do is stop putting out fake pandemics. They could stop vaccinating people to the point where they don't even have a, a natural defense system. There's all kinds of things we could do that make sense, but they don't make money for people that have the control, and that's the problem. So we're blowing through that. The corruption is falling apart, and I could go into this for fucking ever, the absolute stupidity of the system, and I'm looking at it now. Cheerios, ingredients, paint shellac to keep the fucking things crispy in milk. We could get rid of stuff like that. You know, we could get rid of the really, really stupid stuff. We could tell people that all the whitening stuff and the things that kill cavities great is peroxide. Go get it. Two dollars a bottle. It'll fix your cavities. It'll kill all the stuff in the pores of your teeth. It won't abrase all of the coating on your teeth. Your teeth will go on forever. But no, we're going to sell you a nice package with poisonous fluoride in it, with abrasives in it. So to make sure we wear the teeth down, get the dentist some money, and we're going to put some fucking silver amalgam in your teeth, and we're going to call it that because we have the legal right to call it whatever we want because we control that realm of reality, and it's going to be 50% mercury, and we know that's good for you. It goes right through the blood-brain barrier. We know fluoride's awesome for you too, and we know it's great, and we love to pump it into the kid's teeth so it can release, and trust me, I'll argue this shit um intensely if and i have so far dentists are fucking morons to put that into children's teeth and if you can't sort of you know if they can't get that wrapped around their head then they can just look at where's the biggest contamination of mercury from our communities holy shit it's the teeth fuck really it's the teeth isn't that insane and i had to argue and couldn't get julia her fucking um fillings because the dentist decided he wanted to charge double because I didn't want to put the other ones in like there was a discount kind of thing so we had to uh, we had to go to another dentist but isn't that nuts here's a dentist and he's mad because I won't put mercury in my daughter's teeth you know what I mean what a fucking moron and that was in Powell River and I might one day go back to that because it was total discrimination he would discount the um this, the mercury fillings because he was pissed that I believed that they were bad bad for her. I'm not saying that right. He would discount them, but then he was pissed that I believed they were bad for her and I wanted the white ones. And then he said, I can't discount those for you. Everything else is discounted. It's like 25 or 50% for people um, that don't have medical insurance or whatever. That should tell you something too. At least this is the story I'm getting. 
But when I disagreed with them, the prices went back up to full, and that's fucked. And I will at some point turn around and probably address these things down the road because uh, they need to be addressed. You just have to look up what mercury is and say, do I want to drill a hole in my kid's tooth and jam mercury in there? You know what I mean? Even when they take the fucking mercury out, they have to be extremely careful. You know, there's just... Anyway, I'm going on and on and on. I'm 30 minutes into this. I'm tweaky today. And uh, and rightly so. i got to make a huge lifestyle change. You know what I mean? Again, moving from fucking one type of lifestyle to another. And it's... Trust me, it's... It can get to you. Our life savings will be completely gone after this. There won't be another move to make. We will be on that boat eating fucking fish, period, because the environmentals make a good and goddamn sure there's just no way that, you know, you can have a sustainable life if you're going to be on the water polluting whatever it is they think we're polluting from a sailboat. Anyway, I'm not, you know, I, I took environmental science to fix the stupidity I am not an environmentalist because the real definition of an environmentalist is a dummy political moron. They just completely lost it. There's lots that can be done to be cleaned up, plastic on the ocean. There's all kinds of new tech to get get rid of pollution. And I love the idea of a nice, clean world. What I don't love the idea of is living in that nice, clean world under a globalist system that controls all the rules and policies that tell me I basically have to wear a fart diaper and not make any imprint anywhere on the planet before we can evolve to the stage where that's fucking possible. You know what I mean? Life is hard enough without having to put up with that shit. So there. There you have it. The difference between me and the typical fucking environmentalist out there is I actually have the education and experience to back up what I'm saying. And that's just the way it's going to be. I've read books, and I've lived all over the place, and I've thought about it, and I've studied it, and the bottom line is, it's a process of evolution. You cannot force this shit. Humanity has to get there, and we can't get there with the corruption in the way. We need that out of the way so we can get the right technology and start cleaning things up. Yeah, I'm going to put this up anyway, and I'll talk to you later.